When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. We're back and better than ever here on a Monday night. Little special edition of Bears After Dark. We're moving off of some of the normal conversations of of uh, off-season dreams and hopes and aspirations. And we're going to talk a little bit about the hopes of two Hall of Fame worthy candidates in Devin Hester and Steve Mongo McMichael as we're just about a week away from these decisions getting made. And I'm certainly excited as uh, someone as the self-proclaimed biggest Devin Hester fan of all time right here, residing here on this show. And then we have a guy here in Corey Wooten who played with Devin Hester. And then in my eyes, the greatest sports historian uh, you know, in Chicago sports media, Jack Silverstein joins the show here tonight. How you doing, Jack? I'm I'm well. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. So you were telling me that you covered Corey his rookie year coming out from Northwestern. Uh, after that, so I had a I had a cup of coffee with the Sun Times in 2011, uh, Corey's second year. But my big year on the beat uh, was 2012. And that was where I was there, uh, you know, every practice. I wasn't doing games, but I was there like three practices a week. Um, I, I did a big feature on the defensive line. Um, the, all, all 10 players at that point on the line, a big story called Rushmen, which was the name that uh, Coach Marinelli put on the defensive line door when he took over. The, the good old days, Braggs. That, that's that's the, Tam- the Tampa 2 get off the football, Rob Marinelli chewing our, chewing our ear out. And uh, that's what I'm hoping Eric Washington will do with this defensive line in there because of an area that needs to really improve for the Chicago Bears in 2024 is the defensive line. I think Montez Sweat getting him last year really elevated this defense. Now we have some guys that really need to get along. And we talked about Jervon Dexter taking him to the next level, especially being from a scheme in Florida where it was read and react. So getting him to the next level when it comes to getting off the football. And I'm excited to see what Eric Washington, who coached me in, in college and in my first year in the NFL, uh, to get them going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, so I got to give you a shout out, Jack, because you you tweeted at me while that news broke of Eric Washington on Saturday about how Corey, you know, what played under him at not just with the Bears, but with Northwestern, too. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's why we bring you on Jack, because you, you know, it all just the other day you were on with uh carm on the, C- the CHGO sports podcast, having a pretty, um, healthy debate about the era with Jerry Krause and the legacy he left behind with the bulls. And I've always admired your photographic memory. I mean, for lack of a better term of literally all the different milestones 
in Chicago sports history. So that's, that's, that's what I want to talk about because for me, I've been very disappointed here these last two years that Devin Hester hasn't gotten the bid to be a hall of famer. I think he deserved to be a first ballot hall of famer to me. When you have checked off the criteria of doing things that no player has ever done at their position, you know, I, I, I don't like how the hall of fame picks and chooses what positions are more worthy than others. If you're a hall of famer at the position you play, I think there's a spot for you in that, in the pro football hall of fame. And if a punter is in the hall of fame, then a kick returner should be in there just the same. So why don't you kind of lay, lay the groundwork here for this discussion? Like I said, Corey, you know, obviously hearing your insights of playing with him as well. I think this is something bears fans are really going to enjoy as far as kind of the understanding of who Devin was to this league and why he is deserving to get in this year once and for all. Definitely. So, I mean, the good news that I've had for two years for Bears fans is that the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters already showed their support of Devin Hester by making him a first ballot finalist. I mean, that is farther than any pure returner, someone who doesn't have some other aspect to their resume, Deion Sanders, Rob Woodson, Gail Sayers. That is farther than any pure returner has ever gone at any point. He got there in his first year. No a uh, returner had even been to the semifinals, which is the top 25. He, in his first year, was in the finals, which is the top 15. And he actually survived the first cutdown vote on the day of the meeting. So he was actually in the top 10 in his first year. So that is, that's farther. You mentioned a punter, Ray Guy. Ray Guy, uh, some people disagree, but Ray, Ray Guy is probably popularly um, thought of as the greatest punter of all time. And it took him until a, a senior uh, committee. You know, Morton Anderson at one point was the um, NFL's all-time leading scorer. It took him, I think it was like six years. Gary Anderson, who was a remarkable kicker, he hasn't he hasn't sniffed Canton. And then you've got Jan Stenerud for uh, for Kansas City, the longtime place kicker, and he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he's he's the only pure special teamer who's made it to the finals in on his first ballot. So Devin Hester is in really good territory really unique space, befitting someone of his talent, production, accolades, the fear he struck in opponents, the way he changed game plans, befitting of all of that. So it, it really is a question of just shaking it out um, in terms of how the, the ballot breaks uh, year by year. I thought he could have been, I shouldn't say could have been, I thought he was worthy of being a first ballot Hall of Famer, particularly in that year so that year the class was see if i can do this tony baselli leroy butler richard seymour sam mills and brian young sam mills got in on his last year of modern eligibility um brian young had been in the finals and then had dropped down and then had shot back up but leroy butler was one of my favorite players even though he was a packer i mean just loved watching him play we know that tony baselli would have walked right into canton if not for injuries and Richard Seymour had a, had a, obviously a marvelous career. So worthy guys, I thought Devin could have snuck in that year. Um, they left out Demarcus Ware that year, and they bumped him back. So he was a second ballot guy. Andre Johnson was also that that ballot. Looks like Andre Johnson is getting in this year. So to me, Devin now is at a point where all right, I understand if you say like all right, I'm not ready to elect. It's it's a leap. 
for voters. So I understand if a voter collectively, if the voters say, all right, well, we're not ready to elect him in 2022. I kind of get that last year. At this point, you know, eventually that as a reason runs out. So if you weigh a first ballot Hall of Fame level returner versus a first ballot Hall of Fame level every down player, I, I understand that. You're going to take the every down player. They're just, they're out there more. But when you start to get into a first ballot Hall of Fame level player who's a returner versus someone who was the fifth or sixth best wide receiver of their era or the fifth or sixth best pass rusher or, or outside linebacker of their era, you're talking about Devin Hester, who was the greatest ever to do a right. thing, a, a position that predates the NFL. It's not like this is some like new position and you have to figure out how to define it. They've been returning kicks longer than the NFL has existed. And Devin Hester, he's not the greatest ever because the three of us say so. He's the greatest ever because the other greatest ever's say so. Right. Deion, Deion Sanders says so. Brian Mitchell says so. Gail Sayers, rest in peace, said so. Uh, Dante Hall said so. All these guys have said somewhere in between either he's the greatest ever or he's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Billy White Shoes Johnson has talked about how special he was. So these are all the guys who haven't gotten that recognition as returners, and hypothetically they are picking against themselves, and they're coming out and saying, no, 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 you got to understand, this person was special at the thing I did. I mean, and it takes a lot to be able to come out and say that. So I'm at a point now where, okay, the vote has actually been held. It's embargoed. It's embargoed. We don't, we don't know what happened, um, but, but that's over. So we, we wait to see it. It's, it'll be announced February 8th. And I'm at a point now where, okay, Devin, he waited the two years. Now, now it's time. And every year after this, it is more time. Um, you look at the first ballot guys right now, obviously, Corey, one of your teammates, Julius Peppers. And you got Pep. I'm fine with that. Antonio Gates. Love Antonio Gates. He's a lock Hall of Famer. But, you know, a, a group of historians, myself included, uh, were asked by Pro Football Hall of Fame voter Clark Judge to name the greatest tight end of all time because of Antonio Gates. None of us named Antonio Gates. And that's not that doesn't mean you don't go in the Hall of Fame. It does. But you're just talking about someone who at his best was the best tight end for a little while. And Devin Hester at his best was doing things no one had ever seen before. Right. And, and, and Corey, your rookie year was really interesting because Devin Hester's 2010 is better than most of the all-time greats' greatest season. What was it like coming in as a rookie and you've got all these guys – I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Blake Costanzo who told me in 2012, and he, and he said, there's just – there's a lot of, like, special humans – like on this team and so i'm curious to know from you um where did devin sit amongst all these stars brian urlacher your rookie year was still a pro bowler uh charles tillman in my opinion should have been a pro bowler he was about to be there lance briggs was still a pro bowler jay Culler was still he had just been a pro bowler in denver um you had johnny knox who was like fastest human alive Peanut um, obviously that was Julius's first year it, peanut um where did you put Devin in 2010 and 2011 where he's got six return touchdowns over 
for those two years. And he's playing on some very special teams of very special all-time great players. Uh, so I'm a little biased from the defensive line and just based off Julius Peppers being the most freak athlete I've ever seen. And Braggs, I'm, I'm a big guy. And Jack, you met me in person. I'm a big guy. Julius Peppers is the same size, if not bigger, but runs a 449, 4-4-5. Uh, like he is the, the freakest athlete I've ever seen in my life. We used to do this pursuit drill, right? Where we'd all line up at the 50 yard line. So we line up in our positions, defensive line, linebackers, safeties, and corners. So we take two steps forward and then run through the back of the end zone. So Julius Peppers caught all the linebackers and then he would catch some of the, the cornerbacks. The only, the only one he didn't catch was Tim Jennings. Cause Tim Jennings could fly. He was very fast, but it was just so unbelievable seeing a guy that was six foot seven, 300 pounds hawking, you know, guys that are these elite athletes. So I have to have Peppers at, at number one as, as far as just freakish, like athletic, what he can do. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, that's what I mean. And I think, I think Devin Hester is number two to me. Um, unbelievable. Like, because when, when you look at it, you look at what his 40 time is, you know, it's, it, it's, it's good, but it's not one of the best. But his game speed was unbelievable. He never got caught by anybody. And just his ability to read blocks, maneuver on punt return. And a lot of people don't yep. realize I was on punt return 2010, 2011, and 2012 when I was the starter opposite Peppers because he loved the fact that I could clamp people. So from punt return, you can hold people inside the, the breastplate, right? And you can hold them there. And as long as you're inside, you could you could literally hold them as long as you want to. I'd pull them close to me and they wouldn't get off the line. So a lot of times, Devin Hester, when I, when I became a starter, he was like, hey, whoa, can you be out there? Can you do a couple extra plays for me? Because I know you're one of the best at, at taking the best cover guy inside off. Wow. So I would I would do that. And um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Everson Griffin, our our rookie year, that game in 2010, the night I got the sack on Favre and he broke the record for punt return. I was going one on one on Everson Griffin and the one play I clamped him at the line. He didn't move at all. And I just remember them showing that clip. But Devin Hester, what he brought to the table was unbelievable. Like anytime he, he touched the ball. He'd go to the house. I remember being in college watching that uh, Super Bowl game, opening kickoff, took it to the crib. There's nobody that could have the impact that he did. People would not want to kick with him. And Dave Tobe, who's now on Kansas City, he had the perfect play. I don't know, Jack, if you remember this, 2011, uh, or it might have been 2010, we played the Packers. It was 2011. Week, Johnny week, Knox. Week yeah, three, yeah. It, jo Johnny Knox and, and um, Devin Hester were both back there. And they knew based on this, they weren't going to kick it um, to Devin Hester. So Devin Hester goes over there, does like a fair catch, acts like he's going to catch it. Ball yep. goes to Johnny Knox. Johnny Knox takes it to the house. We have a phantom holding call. The worst call ever. Exactly. But that's just the impact that he had. And such such a good person, such a such a good teammate. Um, yeah. like and, I, and, the, and the thing people don't remember about that uh, trick play when Johnny Knox took it to the house. The thing that I always remember is Devin Hester met him at the goal line, you know, like the, the entire play was on the other side and, and Devin didn't have to finish the play. He finished the play all the way to the goal line and almost beat Johnny Knox to the end zone. Uh, and so, yeah, I have very fond memories obviously of those seasons. And to your point, 2010 being uh, any kick returners best season would have been Hester's third best season as a returner. And so, 
Uh, he was, certainly, he was, a few, he was a few kick returns short of being able to qualify for kick return average. But if he had had those, uh, and they they had taken some away, um, and so he wasn't returning kicks as uh, as often early in the season because Daniel Manning was. If he had had those, he would have led the NFL in kick return average and punt return average. He was yep. over thirty five on kick, and he was over seventeen on punt. So to break this up, you know, everybody's been talking about you know the WWE and the Royal Rumble here, and and coming out the gate is you know my nemesis and the biggest Devin Hester hater known to man that is mark carmen the evil mark carmen comes running out the the tunnel like doink the clown who's coming here to antagonize to antagonize us and tell us why devin hester is worthless and doesn't belong in the hall of fame welcome mark carmen yeah, you know, there was uh, guys. First off, uh, th- uh, thank you so much for that fine intro, Greg, and <laughs> m- misrepresenting me in in, in an the incredible heel, way. The heel. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and um, I just want to be clear here that my entire argument, I Jack and I actually agree, uh, which for me, and every down player should go in the Hall of Fame before a specialist, which is why I've always argued that Devin should not have been a first ballot guy. I'm, I, that's, that's been my only argument. Uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But to be the heel that uh, Greg is asking me to be, <laughs> I have pulled up some stats here, team. And oh. uh, <laughs> he's getting the bifocals on. Well, because, you know, a lot of this, you know, for Greg specifically, it's like his childhood is on the line and he just wanted to take his <laughs> pants off every time Devin touched the ball. So there's not a lot of, there's, there's no real anything there. I'm just going to do some the, reading if you don't mind. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. But, so, so who is just out of curiosity, um, where do you think Devin ranks uh, in kick uh, in, in yards per punt return in NFL history, where do you think he ranks? Yards per punt return. Top five. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I would have guessed one, but since you're asking it, I'm assuming it's yeah, not. Yeah. So yeah, then he, I would he be ranks, around. He, he ranks ninth, 11.7. Where do you think he ranks in punt return yards? All, NFL all-time. Top ten. He ranks third. All right. Where do you where do you think he ranks? Where where he's first is punt returns for a touchdown. Fourteen. Kick mm-hmm. returns. Where do you think he ranks taking a kickback for a touchdown? Second or third. He's a little. Ninth. He's a little lower than. Yeah. He's, he's ninth with five. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, NFL all time kick return yards. Where do you think he ranks? All time kick return yards. He's 12, he's 12, 7,333 kick and punt returns combine them both. He's eighth yards per punt return. I gave you that yards per kick return yards per kick return. Braggs, where do you think he ranks all time in the history of the NFL? See now the yards per return. That's where I think he should be first. Well, he's he's, he's, he's 71st, 24.9. All right. So when you look at him historically against the NFL, he's not at the top. He's at the top in one category, 
Hunt returns for a touchdown, which is when Greg, Greg Braggs took his pants off and went nuts and said, there's nobody better well, than this guy. Because you, I mean, you talk about total yards and punt return total yards, and you're leaving out the fact that he is one of the only punt returners ever where they intentionally kicked out of bounds for him. I more than I, any returner right. in they history of the NFL. They, right. They never kicked out of bounds for any other They were squibbing on kick returns no, for but, this guy. But, but, well. Carm, but Carm, the thing is, no. you can't deny how scared opposing people were of kicking I, the Devin Hester, more so than um, anybody else in the I, league I, that's ever played. I, I, I'm not even trying to deny it. I'm just I'm just giving you the stats of where he ranks and how he's talked about by certain portions of Bears fans. When you look at him historically, and then where where I've where my really where my argument came against Devin, which is where you know I, I, look, he wanted to be a receiver. He was a receiver for six seasons. He ranks 21st all time in 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 total receiving yards for the Bears. I mean, which, by the way, is still led by Johnny Morris. So, like, it's, it's you know, he wasn't a good receiver. He averaged under 500 hold yards. On, hold on. You're not going to – hold on. Hold on. Get him, well, Jack. You can't say – well, one second. Hold on. You can't say, quote, you can't just blanket statement he wasn't a good receiver. We should have okay, never – we should have we never made him a number one. Remember, okay. his, his the first year that they moved him to receiver – we had, we still had Moose, we still had Barion, we still had Rasheed Davis. Moose left, Barion left. They tried to make him a number one. It wasn't that wasn't his forte. He was he was a, a, a great number three. Still still scared a lot of people, but his his receiving game is not part of his or doesn't need to be I, part of his resume. I, I, so it's not really I, at it's not I, really I, I, a part of this conversation. Well, I, listen, I, I got it. Or I guess, why do you see it as part of this conversation? Be, because, because that, if he had become an elite receiver, that would be a skill set to me that would scream, wow, this dude is a Hall of Famer, first ballot. He's outstanding catching the football. He's outstanding returning the football. He's not only is he a kick returner, he's a punt, you know, he's a punt, all the, all the things. It's about being a great football player. And when he when he wanted to expand his game, the fact of the matter is we want to say one, two, three, or whatever, and you want to talk about who's thrown in the football. These are all fair arguments. All I'm just boiling it into my argument, which is that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. You want to put him and in he, the Hall of Famer? But he's not. Got, but he's not. Okay, right, right, which is why I said at the, at the start, Jack, like I agree with you. But I, I do think they're like when you actually dial up where he ranks – all time, I think there's there's right. a lot of love in well, Bearsland. Okay, okay. Oh, hold, well, hold, hold, hold on, I, I okay. need to push back on that. Because yeah. the thing is, Carm, we talked about this plenty of times. I think you you are very hurt and skewed because it didn't work out the way you wanted to as a cornerback or receiver. You said that multiple times. But yeah. the thing is, right, and we can all argue this. Say punt returner, kick returner. Who's the first name that that pops up? Devin Hester. You ask twenty people. You ask a hundred people in a the room. They say Devin Hester. They're not going to say whoever, whoever, oh, this person led number one in kick return yards. No, they're going to say Devin Hester because he's the greatest of all time and the greatest deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, correct? I agree. I agree, Woot. Okay. I, I agree. I think he, should, but, I think but, he belongs in. I'm, but, all I'm saying but I think I think you are diminishing what he did because it didn't work out the way you thought at receiver or corner. All right, so Carm, so Carm brought the stats. But that's why I have Reed Jack here. The stats, man. Jack Silverstein. 
greatest Chicago <laughs> sports historian of all time already uh, gave it to Carm on the Kraus debate. Uh, really a, shela- a shellacking. A I'll, shellacking. Tell you what I did, no, I'll tell you what I didn't like about what I did on that debate is that Carm opened with a question. And I should have just answered the question instead of I got into like the tussle mindset and I shouldn't have done that. So I apologize for that. I, I should have just answered your question there. But so here's, what I'll, so here's what I'll ask, because this is a really important first question, okay? Um, Carm, do you yes, think do you think a pure returner, let's say someone whose Hall of Fame credentials are confined within what they did as a returner, do you think mm-hmm. a pure returner belongs in Canton? Yes, and not on, not on the first ballot. Okay, well, he didn't get in on the first ballot. I understand. Okay. That's, that's, that's been my, but, but so the, the people on this show, he's in my upper left corner who want to scream at me about this. It's, it's only because he was so offended that I, that I said that he shouldn't be a first ballot hall of famer. That's the, that, and, and he's turned it into, he's, he's kind of like a lot of people with the bears quarterback conversation. Like he only heard one thing. He didn't hear anything else and, 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 and he's screaming about it. And now he's bringing him me on here to, to make it out. Like I think that Devin Astor sucks, which is just ridiculous. So, but yeah, I'm not arguing that Jack. I'm not. Um, and and where where do you think of Hester as uh, when you think of great returners? Um, and let's let's acknowledge also that punt and kick are two different jobs. They are related, but they are two separate jobs. And that is why you see things like some of the guys who have eight kick return touchdowns, like Leon Washington, or eight punt return touchdowns, like Rick Upchurch, have zero of the other. Devin Hester, Devin Hester, I love Cordero Patterson, and I think he should get more credit in these conversations for what he did in coverage. He was all pro as a kick returner and in coverage in the same year. But Cordero Patterson, okay, doesn't return punts. Devin Hester has more punt return touchdowns than Cordero Patterson has punt return yards. Right, Right. but no no one's talking about Cordero Patterson in the Hall of Fame, yet – He's a better he's a better kickoff returner than 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 Devin. But not, he is not, not returner. Better kickoff returner. He is he better numbers. That doesn't mean he's better. He's a he he's, more opportunity. Like people did not kick the Devin Hester. Right. Oh, how many times did they facts. how many times did they squib to Cordero Patterson? I love you know what you know what play I had forgotten but, about I mean, and I, I pulled it up that I absolutely loved. So this was uh Bears Cowboys Monday Night Football week three, two thousand seven. So this is the third game of Hester's second season. And the Cowboys kicked the opening kickoff out of bounds and gave him the 40. And John Madden is just sitting there on the, on the call complimenting the coaching decision. This isn't punting out of bounds. Yeah, no, that's fair. Y'all can see the point. You want to say, like, who's more dangerous catching, catching the ball at the, at the goal line? On a kickoff, Devin or Cordero Patterson, fine. Devin, fair. I'm saying strict right. numbers wise. Strict so numbers wise. Strict numbers wise. So Patterson if you want more, okay. So strict, I get strict. it. They're not kicking to him. I get it. I get it. I'm conceding the point. Concession. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not. I'm here because Greg asked me to come on. I'm not here to have some huge fight about it. I will say this. Um, if I want to have a huge fight, we'll go back to the Kraus argument. So we can do that again. There's one, there's, there's one thing that I left out there. But I look, my, my, my entire argument is just based on the – is that he's a specialist. 
specialists don't get on the first ballot unless they were like the most insane spe- like if he if he had the same- well he was the most insane specialist yeah but no it, it's it's he, he doesn't so, so th- he, I, I, I need the records dude i need records i need i need all of it i and i understand that they can strategize it and take you, you need away records? And that's what they did yeah i do okay. i do okay he's got one so his so his record for for uh return touchdowns Mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns and they and they made it seem as if he broke that record by one and in the sense of return touchdowns he did because Dion had 19 but his special teams record is seven because he had 20 and Brian Mitchell had 13 they had to start lumping him in with Dion Sanders and Rod Woodson and Rondé Barber who had defensive touchdowns to create this different record for Devin Hester Devin Hester is way far away. It's not just like, oh, he has one record. He is ages ahead. And, and, and I've mentioned this before, but I want to make sure that I, that I get the number exactly right. Um, Devin Hester, obviously 20 return touchdowns. Brian Mitchell, 13. Career record for passing touchdowns. It's Tom Brady with 649. Drew Brees is second with 571. Tom Brady, 649. That's the most passing touchdowns ever. If he was as far ahead of Breeze, as Hester is a Brian Mitchell, Tom Brady would have thrown for 878 passing touchdowns. So he's not just like a little bit ahead. I, I, I okay, all right. He's 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 all he's all the way ahead. Okay, yeah. he was all decade, twice, once let, on let, kick return and once on punt return. Let, let me let me let me. Flip he was it around. all decade twice, once on I, kick return. And once on punt return. Let me let me flip it around on you, Jack, and ask you a question. Do you think the yeah. NFL voters got it wrong not putting him in on the first ballot? I can't I, I won't say that because it would have been okay. so far, it would have been it would have been so different. I would have. So my committee that we do, you know, some people play fantasy football, I play fantasy hall of fame. And my committee voted him in first ballot. I won't I won't say that they were wrong for not doing it, but we did it and we came out, you know, our, our class was was a okay. And, you know, I would have put DeMarcus Ware in before him. They were they were eligible for the first time in the same year, but they didn't even put DeMarcus Ware in. They bumped like okay, so, so they're, they're all they're, great players. I don't want to sit here and like finish anybody, but uh, it would have been a perfect a- example. Woot, Woot, you can draft Demarcus Ware. You can draft Devin Hester. Who are you taking? Oh, you're taking that, Demarcus Ware. Yeah, Come on, yeah, you're taking. I, of course yeah, you are. I, of course no. you are. I, I think. I think that's a tough one. But how many, at the same time, how many Super, time, how many Super Bowls did Demarcus Ware lead his team to? The, Bear, <laughs> the Chicago Bears do not make the Super Bowl without Devin Hester. Their so, offense so, depended is, on so Devin the, Hester the one, the one, the one and the argument, threat the in the argument, field position he gave them. The one argument that I would say, though, is, is Devin good. Hester was was the best by far. And it wasn't like he was a punter. Like, punter is not a sexy position. I'm just sorry. That's not, right? A returner, that's something that makes it a huge impact. Like, literally, you could have a punter out there that maybe does well or not. Like, the, the margin is, is, is not as big as, as a huge returner. So I think Devin Hester, just the impact that he had was unbelievable. And it's the first thing you think of when you think of kick return, greatest of all time kick return, Devin Hester. Nobody even bats an eye about anything. 
right? They said, well, you know, as a kick returner, I like Cordella Patterson or I like Leon Washington. No, no, no. They say Devin Hester is the goat of it. So he made kick returning cool. Like he did. Like people, people had his jersey for what he did as a kick returner, right? He was probably one of the Bears' best-selling jerseys because of that. There was, was people – yeah. Yeah, I, I, I listen. He, he, his jersey was best selling because he was super electric to watch. Kick returning's always been cool. I, Deion Sanders returning a punt and, and high stepping is freaking cool. Gail Sayers not, doing it what he did it, but it not the way cool. like this. When they had the Soldier Boy on there, no, the NFL has never seen that. Carm, when people came in and said, "You," in the end, <laughs> oh my god, I've never seen anyone go nuts. He had his own theme song. Okay, that's. That's yeah, no. wild, right? Uh, like, okay. okay. Oh, he, uh, three-time All-Pro, uh, one second-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, two times the kickoff return leader, 2013-2014, two-time NFL punt return leader, 2006 and 2010. Like Jack said, decades team for 2000s and the 2010s. Not many players are in two different decades. Devin was. And he's also, you know, one of the, you know, on the list of one of the hundred greatest bears of all time. I mean, I don't know which, where exactly he ranked in there, uh, but cer- certainly up there. I mean, to me, Devin, Devin Hester, you do not write the story of the NFL without Devin Hester. If you were to make, if the NFL was to cease to exist at the end of the year, they're like, we're shutting down operation. And they were doing a one minute montage of the NFL. Like they do at the end of March madness at the end of every year, the montage of the NFL would start with Devin Hester returning the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl for a touchdown, the first time that it ever happened in history, and the only time that will ever happen in history. Uh, Devin Hester is history. Everything he did was making history, Mark Carmen. And no, no. your slander is not acceptable. And that's why I brought you on this show to well, yell well, at you about it. I, I, I appreciate it. Let, let me just say one thing before I go. Hey, and it's not about Devin Hester, if I may. And, and would I apologize for doing this? Uh, but Jack, I got I get one thing off my chest. Was Jerry Krause working at a disadvantage with Michael Jordan? <laughs> He's sliding in the last Krause pot. I got to get this in. Here. Was, was Jerry, was Jerry Krause, Krause working at a disadvantage with Michael Jordan? Uh, I my oh, answer my, would be yes, but I'd be curious to know how you what you mean by disadvantage. But yeah, my answer would be yes. How what was the disadvantage? MJ didn't trust him. That would be that would be one. MJ also felt whose fault was that? So. All right, that was Jerry Krause's fault. All right, we're okay. gonna bring you two back on for another uh, CHO Sports podcast to me, argue with the Bulls because your Bulls right, argument. I gotta, I, I gotta go, but let me just. Say this. Is this the Bears one? Is this I know, the Bears show? I know. I know. <laughs> I did, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not I, sleeping at night mood because of the, the one point that I didn't get out. There. I'll call. <laughs> I'll call Jack offline. All of you guys. Hold I, on. I, Hands down. Had two dollars yeah. super chat. Says, "Hey, Carm, I care what you think." Thank you, Hands. Uh, and he also added a twenty dollars super chat. Appreciate you, Hands down. So in today's game, we rarely see anyone who returns the ball at all. No one returns the ball like number twenty three did. Give Hester his due and put him in the Hall of Fame. No one did it better. No one cares what Carm thinks. <laughs> Bear fucking down. And I and I love it. Like I, I I think we're just picking semantics. He's a Hall of Famer. The, the NFL should not have overthought it. Every player to a man talks about how he was the greatest to ever do it at his position. I understand 
There's other players out that have played that, that you could deem had a bigger impact game to game, but overall impact on the NFL itself. There's very few Devin Hester is in an echelon that very few have ever reached greatest. He's the goat. You do not get to put the goat. Monica, if you want next to very so, many names and Devin Hester is the goat. So another, another, another big stat is I would look at, I would say the three most important return categories are touchdowns, yards, and average. Mm-hmm. Any objections? No. Devin Hester and Cordell Patterson have the most combined times leading the NFL in one of those three categories but patterson's are all kick return yeah so that would be that would be another one devin hester's return touchdowns per return devin hester's touchdowns in season it's not just like it's like a longevity thing so hester do do you know what the most uh uh, special teams touchdowns in a season is i do not so devin hester with six he did it twice did it twice second place has four Right. But Devin Hester, Devin Hester had 13 touchdowns in his first two years, and it took him how many returns, Jack, in the first two years to get to, to break the record where Brian Mitchell had like 10,000 more returns to get to the same point. Like yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to talk about. Like the gap, it's 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 like Wayne Gretzky. Like the, what he accomplished. How many? Hey, hey, Brad. What I would say. So I how, think. How many? Like, the, the, the important point here, though, is that you can't. You you can't. I, I I reject what you did earlier. You can't reduce him to one number, or one stat, because or or just just the career listings. There are a number of ways to break down somebody's I, career numbers. Hey, look. Uh, yeah, that's you're one hundred percent right. You can't just, you can't just do that. That you're, one. You're 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 a hundred percent right, and I'm not I'm not here to uh, you know praise stat collectors. However, since Bragg just did that, how many more yards combined kick and punt returns do you think Brian Mitchell had? Um, Brian Mitchell is second only to Jerry Rice for career yardage. Well, and how many? I'm just just kick and punt return yards, Bragg's. How many more thousands of yards do you think Brian Mitchell had on on that category versus Devin? Devin is eighth all time with eleven thousand twenty-eight, just ahead of Desmond Howard. Well, what point are you making here? Because I so I'm, in, I'm making the point that longevity. Nineteen. I filled out. I filled out a for the first time ever. I did a full Hall of Fame ballot. It took all the nominees and and narrowed it all the way down. And I had Brian Mitchell as one of my five because he had he's he's second to Jerry Rice in career yards. He's number one in career return yards. He had the punt return touchdown. I'm sorry. He had the combined return touchdown record. Eric Metcalf had the punt return touchdown. Right. He had the combined record for kick and punts. He was doing it for a long time. So I I, I would vote for Brian Mitchell. I mean, the, the issue that I get in with the Pro Football Hall of Fame is that we're down into the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth best, say, wide receiver, not of all time, of an era. Right. That's where right. I that's where I start to you have to be generational. Do you know when the last five centers were elected? You have to go back to nineteen eighty seven. There were there were eight 
wide receivers in the semis just last year. So that's where I start to take issue is that if football is supposed to be a game where, as uh, our friend Olin Krutz would say, 11 men dance together, and it's supposed to be a game where everyone is working together and one person doesn't do their job for one split second and the whole thing falls apart, then I can accept that quarterback is going to be a more important position than nose tackle. But I can't accept that the 10th best quarterback in his era belongs in the Hall of Fame ahead of the first or second best nose tackle of all time or really? returner or a best fullback. Where's Lorenzo Neal? Where's Lorenzo Neal? So that's, you, that's, you what, I, take, that's what I look at. Okay. I would I, take I, I, in, the, in the Hall of Fame. Would I, all right, so would I, would I draft – would I draft uh, – if I was starting my team, would I draft Reggie Wayne over Devin Hester? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Would I put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame over Reggie Wayne, over Jared Allen, over – well, not Patrick Willis. I thought he was great. But I, I don't mean to, like, knock anybody. And, and who am I to do that? Because I'm, I'm not a football player. What I'm saying is, is that the Hall – there should be a certain level of respect for the importance – of all of these positions and all these players. And Corey, I'd love to hear from you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that when you're talking about Devin Hester is the greatest ever at a thing, and some of these other guys are the sixth, seventh, eighth greatest in their era, that's where I would say, yes, go for it, Hester. So once uh, again, I'm I'm sorry, I asked Corey, one second, I asked Corey yeah. a question. And I, no, um, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I, think, I think the Hall of Fame to me, Sometimes I, I really don't agree with some of the decision-making. The fact that Terrell Owens did not make a first ballot Hall of Fame, that's, that's ridiculous. He's that second all-time, yeah. one of the all-time greats. And then, hold on, you look at, you look at um, you know, certain guys that have gotten in the Hall of Fame, right? You look at Kurt Warner. His story is amazing. But stats and the way he played, he does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Just like Terrell Davis. I'm sorry. His numbers do not add up. To, to the impact. He had two great seasons. Other than that, you look at the numbers and you're kind of like certain people. Then you can make an argument for Matt Forte. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Right? Why so before I shoot yeah, Carm no, out of here, no, before I, I shoot Carm out of here, and Jack, I know you got to get get going to, uh, to your family. I just want to say, Brian Mitchell, who should also be in the Hall of Fame. If we're going to just put returners in the Hall of Fame, he belongs in the story as well. But Devin Hester belongs in it over him. Brian Mitchell only was all pro one time. Devin Hester was an all pro three times. Brian Mitchell in 2002 in his 12th year in the league returned his 13th kick for a touchdown. Devin Hester had six his first year, six his second year. And that doesn't include the Super Bowl touchdown, which I do include. That's 13 in his first two years. Devin Hester accomplished something that Brian Mitchell, who's who before Devin was around was widely viewed as the greatest returner of all time. He accomplished what the great at the time, what the greatest returner of all time did in 12 years. He did in two years. That is Wayne Gretzky like to be able to match someone's entire career in two years that, that I'm sorry. It's just so unprecedented what he did that he should be in the hall of fame for that. That's all I wanted to say. I'm sorry, Mark, that we had to beat you down three on one. There was nothing you, you I enjoyed. Just, did you more just compare? I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure on my way out here. Did you just compare Devin Hester to Wayne Gretzky? I just want to make sure that I hear that right. In terms of the way he broke 
the, the way you know, he you scattered, know that he's the all-time the, points leader in the NHL. There's no one close. You just compared Devin Hester to him. It's the most ridiculous thing that anyone's see, ever said in front of a no, microphone. Literally, no, ever. no, you're see, and you're trying to disprove my point by yes, trying to take it. I'm not saying he's Wayne Gretzky. I'm saying the way he shattered the records at his position are similar. Yes, to to take Brian Mitchell and his return touchdowns in a 12-year career and do that in two years has never happened and will never happen again in the history of the NFL. Wayne Gretzky is the GOAT, and Devin Hester is also the GOAT. I mean, that (laughs) football is just different because of positional, like, he's not the quarterback. We understand this. Nobody's saying that he's more important than Joe Montana to the NFL. I'm talking specific to his position and the way he shattered the records. That's like Randy Moss, Wayne Gretzky, Jerry Rice, like only those guys could take their position and shatter records that will never be touched again. Never be touched. Nobody is going to have 12 return touchdowns in a two year span ever Carm ever. It will never happen again. So okay. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you can see the future to the level that you can. It's really amazing. It's one of your, it's one, it's your newest Arm, quality. It's never going to happen again. Okay. It's not, Certainly it's not in a, your lifetime. It's not a you, stand, your it's clock's not, it's, ticking it's, old man river. Now, but, but, but yeah, like, don't, don't, you, don't, don't you guys, don't you guys agree? Like the hall of fame, some of the people that get in, like I'm, I'm looking at, at Terrell Davis's stats right now. Right. He had he had four good seasons and then fell off the face of the earth, and, and he and he got in the Hall of Fame. I, 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 I Terrell Davis is a great argument. I'm I'm still taking a guy. If it's me, I'm taking a Super Bowl winning quarterback, Kurt Warner, over a guy like Devin Hester. And I mean, are we like come on. But, that, but that's, if, you, if you if you look at Kurt Warner's stats, like yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't even add up. Like when you look at like all-time greats, or he's not even close in numbers, I, right? I, and he, and he I agree. With, good seasons. I I, but, I agree with you, Corey, and I think Carm to your point there. So I, I would I would put Kurt Warner in the Hall of Fame, but I thought he was going to make a great senior candidate. I was shocked at the way that they. Uh, it's a great el- story. It's excel- a great story. If he didn't him. have that story, I don't think he'd be in. The fact that he was bagging groceries to what he is. I think Carm, I would say ads. that I would say that the argument that you made earlier about Hester, where you came in and you were just reading career numbers, you can do the same thing with Kurt Warner and Terrell Davis. I think that, of, of course, of course, of course. And I mean, Warner, look, he had a hundred game career, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not prepared to. I'm just talking about, you know, in the moment, am I going to take a guy who, won, who was a quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team and his and you know, greatest show on turf, the whole thing. I mean, his legacy is, is, is a very unique one. But regardless of any of that, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this very <laughs> level-headed discussion. Before with, you go, uh, there is some housekeeping because you and Corey both have, it's driving me crazy. Both of you have a picture behind you where it's tilted. It's not level. Both of you two. Maybe like, maybe their seats aren't level. Get your pictures level. I don't think, I don't think, I, my, I don't think, think my, uh, seat is level or something. Maybe it's your seat. Or maybe. Hey, but don't talk to me like that. Maybe okay? it's your you hair. Go, you go to the gym and you just do selfies. So that, you don't even work out. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, right. I went to Brandenburg today. Oh, Midtown Athletic. <laughs> Carm, I've never seen somebody. That goes to the gym, takes this a is selfie, a, and then leaves. That's that's Carm's abstract. Uh, thank you for all of your abstract <laughs> insights, Mark Carmen. What do you want? What? 
No, I just want to say, Woot, it was great to be with you, Jack. Always an incredible pleasure. <laughs> Always, buddy. All right. I'm going to let you go, Mark Carmen. Jack, it, if you have a couple more seconds here to just touch on, because I know we were going to get into it here with um, Devin Hester and, and railing, you know, Mark Carmen for it all and raking him over the coals for it. But I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Steve Mongo McMichael. And I know some people tuning in certainly wanted to hear your insight. So I know you do got to go. So I want to respect your time. But, you know, if there's any thoughts you have on Mongo's opportunity or the process itself, you know, as you were talking about being a senior finalist here coming up and, you know, his bid to make it here into the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, I think is very important to a lot of Bears fans. Yeah. So Bears fans should know that Mongo is a lock. He, he will get in this year. And it would be it would be not just a bad look. It wouldn't just be a rejection of Mongo if they voted him down. And the way it works is that the, the selection committee is 50 people, but the senior committee is 12. So the 12 people on the senior committee have put forth these three candidates, Mongo, one of them, and then the full committee votes on everybody, and they're going to vote on those three seniors, Steve McMichael, Art Powell, and Randy Gratishar. And if they were to reject any one of those guys, not just Mongo, any one of those guys, it would be a really major problem for this expanded process that the Hall undertook last year, where they went from having one to two uh, seniors a year to now up to three. Um, the Hall hasn't rejected a finalist in this way uh, since 2017. They haven't rejected a player finalist since 2012, and they haven't rejected a modern player finalist since 2005. I say finalist. What happens is, is that they've got 15, 15 modern era finalists. And then they, they met a few weeks ago and they voted them from 15 down to 10. And then they voted those guys from 10 down to five. And then they had this up, down, yes, no vote. You need 80% yes vote to get in. That's the final barrier. And what was throwing people off from afar is that they did all that for the seniors prior to that meeting so then they brought those three senior candidates and the coach candidate in and they were already at that 80 percent stage so steve mcmichael is is in um i mean he's not in but i don't have any inside information i just he's a lock because that's just what it is it would be a it would be a rejection of their own process at this point to vote against them it would be either the 50 voters would now be you know potentially angry with the 12 or the 12 right. angry at the, uh, not at 50, at, at the rest. So Steve, Steve McMichael's in. Um, I would say another point um, that I would love if people were more aware of this, and I, I would love if the discourse was around there. It's a pretty in-the-weeds comment, but it points to, Corey, what you were saying about TD and Kurt Warner. And it's something I've mentioned, uh, Bragsy, with you, is that the semifinalist era began in 2004. That was the first time that they announced the, the 25 semifinalists and counted it down from there. Since that point, every first ballot semifinalist has either gotten into Canton as a modern era candidate, meaning they didn't get to the senior pool, or they're on the ballot right now. Now, you might hear the phrase in the room. And in the room, now they've been doing Zoom the last few years. But in the room, that was the one time that all the voters got together formally and met and debated all of the candidates. Something that I do think happens is that once you become a semifinalist early enough, you're going to become a finalist because they kind of just keep you hanging around. Then once you become a finalist, if it's early enough, 
Okay. Not in the, not at the, toward the end of your 20 years. Yeah. Then you're up, you know, Joe Jacoby was a finalist in each of his last three years of eligibility. He didn't get in, but, it, but he wasn't a finalist until his 18th year. If right. you get to the finals very early on, they put you in the room, they debate you. And eventually the fact that you've been a three or four time finalist gets added to your resume. So they start to say things like, well, gosh, I don't want to say anyone because it'd be insulting, but they start to say, Greg Braggs has been a finalist seven times. It, you know, Greg Braggs was a four-time thousand-yard rusher and a six-time Pro Bowler and an eight-time finalist. Well, that that shouldn't be a part of your resume. They what they need to do, or what my view is, they need to find a way. And it's something that uh, voters have talked about, and there's been buzz in these circles. But they need to find a way to have a non-voting meeting where they bring all these players and their cases to the table, because otherwise, what happens is that when you tether the label of finalist with the formal act of discussing someone's case, then rejecting that person becomes an insult. It, it shouldn't be that way because you should be able to debate someone. For example, I'm a big Carnell Lake guy. I, I think that Carnell Lake, he was all pro at corner and safety. He was an all decade player. He changed several defenses. He should be able to get in the room, but you need to be able to build up your like bona fides ahead of that point so that he needs to be like a semifinalist a few years and then a finalist a few years. He should be able to be discussed. Richmond Webb, I bet a lot of people would be surprised to know that Richmond Webb has never been a semifinalist. This is a guy who defined his position for many years in a row. He, his first four Pro Bowls, fans didn't vote yet. It was all, it was all uh, media. And he was an all-pro, and he's a second-team all-decade. And Richmond Webb has never made it to not just the finals, but to the semis. But the thing that happens is that you put someone in the finals, and it's public. And then the person who represents that person, the writer who represents that person, now has a stake because they might want to be able to go back to their home fans and say, guys, hey, I, I helped so-and-so get into the Hall of Fame. Instead of being able to have a conversation about that person's merits and maybe put them on a plane with all of their other peers where we're seeing that right now play out at, at running back. Um, and instead of being able to talk about all these nineties and early two thousands running backs all together. And so you look at them side by side and you decide, you know, are we going to put someone in now or are we just going to wait for Adrian Peterson and then Frank Gore and Marshawn Lynch? Are we going to do that? Or, or is someone here able to differentiate themselves? Well, you don't find out until they're in the room, but being in the room because it's an honor unto itself. So that would be my sticking point with the hall is that they need to find, and I'm, I'm not unique in saying this, there are voters who have said this, but they need to find a way to have a non-voting meeting where they bring more names and more cases into the process where you can debate them without having to then go back to your whole market and say, so-and-so, you know, Greg Braggs was a finalist and we all decided he's not good enough. And now we've rejected him because that is what you say when someone is a finalist, like Roger Craig was a one-time finalist, never made it back. And right. it's like, he's, he's out. I mean, well, hopefully he'll get in as a senior, but that to me is the big problem. And, and where this ties into what Corey said is that they put Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner into those slots in their first years. So Terrell Davis was a first ballot semifinalist. Uh, he, he has the longest wait, 11 years.
but he got there. Every year he was a semifinalist. They never sent him back. Eventually they put him in the finals and they put him in the finals. People were like, well, he's a nine time semifinalist gang. Like I, you know, it couldn't have been all. And, and Kurt Warner, they put him right up. It's something they do with quarterbacks since Bob Greasy was elected in 1990. Every, every, <laughs> uh, every quarterback, I'm laughing. Carm's calling me. Uh, every quarterback who's been elected uh, has gone in on the first ballot or not gone in at all, with the exception of Kurt Warner, who was third ballot. But for his the shortness of his career, that was basically like being first ballot. And so what happens is, is that we're, we don't hear about Donovan McNabb. We don't hear about Steve McNair. We don't hear about Randall Cunningham because these quarterbacks, there's no debate process because Brett Favre pops up on the thing. Well, Brett Favre's a bad example because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Troy Aikman pops up, and he's a first ballot. And then you're not talking about quarterbacks. Jim Kelly pops up. He's first ballot. You're not talking about quarterbacks. Warren Moon, these are all Hall of Famers, but there's tiers. Those three guys and Steve Young aren't on the same level as Joe Montana and Peyton Manning and – Brett Favre. So now you're going to get a really interesting situation where over the next three or four years, you're going to get Eli Manning, who's going to come up. Brady's going to come up. Breeze is going to come up. Roethlisberger is going to come up. Philip Rivers is going to come up. And I say there's a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. I'm too harsh on some of these quarterbacks, but I feel like they rush these quarterbacks through and then you don't get conversations. Then Donovan McNabb, but his team perennially in the NFC championship game, is nowhere to be found. It's lost. And that's the, and that's that's the point. Go ahead, Corey. How about Sir, Sterling Sharp, right? Arguably one of the best Terrible. receivers of his time. Terrible. Career-ending injury, and he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. So he, he, yeah, awful. And I wrote a big piece for Windy City Gridiron before his final year of eligibility where I put my Bears credibility on the line to say, you guys, what's going on here with Sterling Sharp? Sterling Sharp, um, never missed a game until his neck injury. Mm-hmm. Sterling Sharp in just his time has the second most combined. Again, I talked about those, com- those combined rankings and I'm on 16% here. So we're going to do it till we die. Um, in, in the combined rankings of uh, receptions, yards and touchdowns leading the NFL in those three, he was second only to Jerry Rice in his time with way fewer years. Um, Sterling Sharp is now getting traction in the senior pool, and I think he's going to get in in the next two years, but you don't know because there's this massive list of guys on the senior pool, and what happens, and what happened with Steve McMichael and what happened with Art Powell is you've got these guys who were never in the room, ever, and now their case is fresh, whereas guys like Lester Hayes and Bob Kuchenberg and Elsie Greenwood and for a long time Chuck Howley and Randy Gratishar who are now in, but you've got these guys who their case has been in front of the committee so many times that the presenter like doesn't know what else to say. So then you get Art Powell and Steve McMichael and maybe Joe Klecko in the room and their case stands out because it's like, Oh, I've never heard. I never, I didn't know Steve McMichael, you know, out the AP defensive tackles for 11 years. Like, Oh, I didn't know that. Or I didn't know that Art Powell, you know, they talked about Art Powell's activism was played a role and oh, I didn't know that. So all of a sudden these guys, are getting you don't want to say it's not because they're not hall of famers like we all had steve mcmichael you know the the three big top bear top 100 bears lists we everybody had steve mcmichael for all time uh, uh for bears defensive linemen after doug atkins dan hampton and, and richard dent but his case was never heard and so then there are fans in other cities going 
well, Steve McMichael, he just popped up out of nowhere. This is nonsense and everything. And it makes me, and it's like, he shouldn't be responsible for this flaw in the system. And right. there shouldn't be people picking apart McMichael or Klecko or Andy Ken Riley or, or Powell. I mean, right. I mean, he's, he's one of the, right. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's the point. And and that's why we appreciate you, Jack, because you understand the process. Most fans are just going to look at a player, remember when they played in what era and say, yeah, he was the best in that era. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But there's such a more complicated process to this. And I feel like sometimes it's they're overthinking it to an extent. And I get it becomes a numbers game. Uh, but I appreciate you shedding light on all of this and, and giving a better understanding of how the process works. And you're somebody that is involved in the process, helping make the case for some of these bears to get into to, to the hall of fame. So I, that's something you should be really proud of. And I think bears fans, I want them to always understand the role you play here. Uh, Cause you're always pretty humble about everything. And, and, and you're not out there kind of tooting your horn as far as what you do, but I know I appreciate it. Uh, from a fan standpoint that wants to see some of my, the guys I looked up to like Corey and, and Devin Hester and, and all those players that I chased down at training camp once upon a time, get That's into funny. the hall of fame. Yeah, of course. So, uh, um, rapid- box game. I was all, I was all, I said, I didn't even get to ask you about your favorite box them up moment. Oh <laughs> yeah. So, so box them up was this game we used to play in the locker room. And it would it would it would go outside the locker room sometimes. So we'd get like the big boxes that they would send, you know, Nike cleats and all this stuff. And the whole thing was you had to surprise somebody and be able to box them up. And then once once you put the box on their head, everybody just hit the hit the box and then push them. And it was a big thing, you know. Every time somebody got boxed, box him up. And it was it was one of the best locker room traditions out there and the guys had a great time with it. It made it interesting. And we even did it on the field at times. You never know when somebody was going to be creeping around that corner with that box. Did you ever get boxed up? I think I did one time. They got me. (laughs) (laughs) One time, one time somebody was up top. There were stairs right by the, um, where the weight room is. And somebody was up top and they, I think we got Erlacher. I think it was. And he was sitting there talking to somebody and, and all of a sudden, they dropped the box on him, literally from up top, top turnbuckle, dropped on his head, <laughs> and then everybody went nuts. And everyone's like, "What's going on?" And that, that's, that's how it was playing. Izzy, with those guys Izzy tweeted that video. I'll, I'll... Yes. Yeah, I'll yes. send that video. That video is online. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. It, Izzy, yeah. Izzy yeah, was, was one of the best with it. Erlacher or Briggs, those are guys you always had to had to uh, you know worry about. But it was it was it was everybody go crazy about that man. You had to be there. Bragg's like, what are you talking about? We used to play brick them on up. We throw bricks at each other, hit each other in the head. What do you think I can't? Yeah, no, we did. We did chuck bricks at each other. Um, so rapid fire before you go, Jack. So Mongo's in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, is Hester getting in? Your prediction. My my. Uh, my suspicion is that he's not. Uh, Dan Dan Pompey gave an interview last year to Larry Meyer at ChicagoBears.com and talked about the actual conversation about Hester in the room. And last year, they were still talking about snap counts. And my feeling is if you're still talking about snap counts, you probably have like another year to like break through that argument because Dan lays it all out and people just have to listen to him so I, I suspect that you've got you've got peppers. 
Um, they have this wide receiver problem, and they're going to get one wide receiver in at least. So you got Peppers is going to get in. You got uh, Andre Johnson is going to get in, and then probably Antonio Gates. Jared Allen, uh, who rose up above Hester last year, he's probably getting in. Patrick Willis has been a finalist for a few years now. They could end up with two wide receivers. Uh, there could be a there could be a surprise pick in Eric Allen, who was a first year finalist. So I, if I had to bet, I would bet that Devin's got like one more year. But um, okay. but first ballot finalists are uh, they they've all gotten in within six years. So that would put Devin in by 2027. So I wrote that piece in Windy City Gridiron at the time and just to kind of like help temper expectations. But yeah, at this point. There, there, there should be no more waiting, and this is a really good year for him to get in because you are going to have all those QBs starting next year, where it's going to get a little bit. They're going to like suck a lot of the oxygen out of all the conversations. The, the right. big thing that Hester has is that he doesn't have some other returner who he's waiting for or wait against. So that's yeah, really yeah. good. I, I, su- I suspect it's not going to happen this year, but you know, fingers crossed. All right, and then finally, real quick, because um, I've had a few people ask about Jay Hilgenberg. Chubbs is always getting frustrated that his name isn't brought up enough. Uh, you know, I know yeah. you got to go, but is there any chance Jay Hilgenberg ever seems ever makes it into the hall? Jay is now in a really, really tough spot um, because, like I said, centers. I don't want to say never, but he's in a really tough spot now and it should have happened a long time ago. And that's an issue with centers that they just don't elect that many centers. Um, now that you've got Mongo in uh, and, and Jim Covert, who was also on that line, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but, but, but bears fans could rally around uh, Jay Hilgenberg. And uh, one thing that we've seen with seniors is that, um, is that uh, fan and, and market enthusiasm does help. So that would help. And and one thing I would love to see is I would love to see Bears fans and Washington fans come together around Wilbur Marshall. Um, I don't think Wilbur Marshall's case is dead yet because I think that if Bears fans and Washington fans equally took up the mantle the way that like Panthers and Saints fans did for Sam Mills, uh, I think that that's something that could push through. I love Jay Hilgenberg. He should have been in a long time ago. He's, he's uh, it's not, it doesn't look good. Well, we appreciate your insights. I know everybody in the chat also appreciated it. Um, so Jack, you're always welcome on here, but I'll let you get going before we close up shop. So uh, thanks again. We'll, we'll talk thanks, to you Jack. soon and, and we'll keep you, up, keep you updated once we get back from the Super Bowl and maybe Hester will get in. There you go. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Corey, great to yeah. talk to you after all these years. Yeah. Bear and, down and, and, uh, and go Cats. And, and real yes, quick, sir. Jack, do you, you got anything like tell people where they can follow you or anything you have coming up that, that you want to keep people keyed in on? Sure. I am uh, slow, but steady working on my nineties bulls book. You can subscribe to my newsletter at readjack.substack.com. I just did uh, a, a long interview with the gentleman who delivered the flu game pizza to Michael Jordan. Uh, as I was, I was a longtime pizza delivery guy. So I had a lot of problems with the way that the last dance presented that. So I just did one with him. I just did a profile on Dick Klein, the original owner, someone who was in the ring of honor. Uh, I just did an interview with Taco Joe Klein, who was great. And uh, the next piece that will be going up probably next week, although I had, a, I had some great, shout out to Ray Clay. I had a great interview with Ray Clay. I interviewed also some people who did, Ray Clay announced uh, bar mitzvahs and weddings. I interviewed some of those people. And uh, I just interviewed Steve Shanwell, who was the longtime head of marketing for the Bulls. You might not know the name, 
but his work influenced uh, your childhood and your life. So that one will be coming soon, and uh, it's for the low, low price of packs in a month or pip in a year. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, appreciate you, uh, Jack. And and one day when they come out with the Chicago Sports Museum, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you are the lead on that department. So we'll love talk it. to you here soon, Jack. All right, buddy. Thanks. Bye, Corey. Yep, yes, that's sir. Jack Silverstein. Make sure you follow him at Reed Jack on. Oh my on gosh! Yeah. Uh, uh, let me get my weeders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Had to bring out the bifocals. Had to bring out the bifocals. Come with his lit up mic and all that. Come on, man. Get, yeah. get out of here with yeah. abstract. Yeah, yeah. Mark Mark's always got to you know reference what Wikipedia tells him to say. We lived it. We experienced it. We know what greatness is. Mark, you know, in his elder age, he forgets. He's so he's got a stir hater because it didn't work out the way he wanted to as a wide receiver. He said he he got drafted as a DB. Didn't work out there. Then it didn't work out a wide receiver. So he can't get in, even though he was the greatest of all time at returner. I didn't like how he didn't pan out. Like what? Yeah, dude, they found out everybody has a role on the team. Like you can. Yeah, and so I told so Brian Erlacher was kind of given the business too because he was of this mindset where they both acknowledge his greatness, but they're both like, oh, he didn't deserve to be first ballot. Whatever, I'll pick nits with that all day because I do believe he deserved to be first ballot. Uh, he was that special to this sport that we all love. But the, the comparison I made to Erlacher, Carmen Hogan, they all laughed at me is because like Jack just said, part of the discussion right now is about snap count of why he's not in. And I just find that so ridiculous. And I, and I compared Devin Hester to Mar- Mariano Rivera from the closer for the Yankees. Did he have as many innings pitched as Greg Maddox? No. Was he the greatest to ever do it as a closer? Yes. So I don't care what his role is as far as how many innings he pitched his, he was the greatest in the role that he had in the sport he played it, it, like in, so I'm not trying to exclude long snappers. I'm not like, there's only four centers in the hall of fame. Like Jack was saying, every position deserves consideration to be in the hall, especially, especially when you are the greatest to ever do it at your position. And that's, that's to me where I think we're overthinking this a bit. And so like, you know, Carm can't understand the reasoning of me trying to compare. I'm not saying he had the impact Wayne Gretzky had on hockey, but what I'm saying is when you are able to take records and shatter them in such a short span, when it takes other people, an entire career, a 12 year career to build up the same stats, that's unprecedented. And and it, and it won't ever be seen again. It's not about seeing the future. It's it's the truth, especially with the way the rules have changed on returns here nowadays. So we got to pay the bills before we get going. This is actually, I think, our longest CHGO Bears after dark of the year, and it had nothing to do with the quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. We just talked about the good old days of Devin Hester, Steve Mongo, McMichael, and some of the all-time Bears greats getting in here. Uh, so uh, it's been a nice, fun, co- and refreshing conversation, a little change of pace here in the offseason. But want to give a shout-out to our guys over at DraftKings. Uh, make sure you c- use the code CHGO when you sign up. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? 
DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CHGO. New customers can bet five bucks once again to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, call www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problem. Uh, for problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 or over, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and responsible gaming resources. Once again, use the code CHGO for DraftKings Sportsbook. We appreciate you. So. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, another CHGO Bears After Dark successfully executed without talking about the quarterback position. It's not an easy thing to do nowadays, uh, Woot, when we're talking about, you know, everything of the offseason. Can, can, can I just say one thing? We didn't talk about the quarterback today. but And we're not going post- to. No, we're, real quick. We're going we're gonna to talk about one thing because the clip yes, you guys sir. posted about when you asked me about Lamar Jackson and the similarities between him. And you Justin can defend Jackson. your honor. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So so I think a big thing, watching that game, right? Lamar did not play that well. I think we could all agree on that, right? He looked very average throughout that game. But I don't believe he did lose them that game. When people talk about, oh, yeah, it was Lamar's fault. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes, he played he – played Pretty good. I wouldn't say it was like the the Patrick Mahomes that we're used to seeing in the playoffs, but Baltimore was super undisciplined in every aspect. Like the mm-hmm. Jose Flowers, um, you know, taunting the guy, and then yep. after they wouldn't even been in that situation for him to fumble. Then we're talking about potentially a tied up game with with everything that went on. So yeah, they had a bunch of bad. They had a bunch of bad yeah. penalties. The Zay Flowers one pushing him on the ground was the the worst of them all. They had the smack across the front of the helmet uh you know a personal foul on the quarterback which was more unfortunate than it was stupid the zay flower one was just downright dumb you can't do that in that situation especially when you're losing like if you're up 21 and you're flexing on the guy you get a penalty because you're getting a little too zesty fine but when you're losing and you're hanging on for dear life you cannot make any mistakes and for them to make that those kind of mistakes in that moment at the end of the day was their undoing and why you know they weren't able to win and the Niners a disciplined team on the other side against the Lions did they make any mistakes when they're down 24 to 7 no and you know they were able to methodically come back and and on one of the greatest comebacks the greatest comeback in NFC championship history and the, and the so la- the last thing last thing I want to hit is just just on the coaching i think people sleep on how important the coaching is and how Kansas City outcoached Baltimore when you look at this right you look at the the, the run to pass or pass to run rather Baltimore Lamar Jackson I think threw the ball 39 times rushed the ball eight times the other running backs on his team only ran the ball six times a flowers had another two carries after that so when you think about that right it's kind of reverse of what we've been seeing we saw a more balanced attack from them all season it'd be like if Patrick Mahomes they ran the ball you know 70% of the time compared right. to passing the ball right that's not what their strength is so I just feel like the coaching just didn't do a great job. They 
they were they were playing the game like it was like it was a 30 point like they were down 30 points which i just kind of didn't get i'm like your game plan this whole time has been mixing and matching the run with the pass and then all of a sudden they they got pass happy in a situation where the game was still tight so i feel like you know they got away from what they normally do and Kansas City stuck to the game plan right they they were they were mixing and matching they were throwing the ball a little bit more, but Pacheco did a great job equalizing, controlling the line of scrimmage. Yep. So, yeah, just Ravens got away from the running game, like, way too early. And I, I just think they, it's kind of surprising because you're like, that wasn't really their identity um, throughout the year. So it was definitely surprising. And, uh, yeah, co- coaching matters in this league, and I, I'm firm on that. And regardless of what they do with Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, I think they're setting up the right recipe for success, right? With Shane Waldron and whether it's fields or whether it's Caleb Williams, whatever quarterback is going to reap the benefits of being in this system. And they're going to add some playmakers. So I'm excited for the future of the bears. Obviously I'm a big fields guy. I think he has what it takes to take the bears to the next level, but I'm excited for the future, man. Coaching matters. Coaching definitely matters. And that's a great way of putting it. And we were talking about this earlier when I was talking with some friends in Twitter spaces and, and we were saying just, it is disappointing that we're in an off season of such vitriol against each other as bears fans, trying to decide which way this is going to go. And to your point, however, they decide is very promising for this future. And yet because we are so opinionated as fans and we're so passionate about what they should do or what we feel is the right move that it really hasn't been like, this should be a celebrated moment where the bears are going, the opportunity they have in front of them. Mm-hmm. They're the first team to ever go into an off season with the number one pick and have seven wins. Every other team, there's only been one team other than the bears in NFL history to go into an off season with three or more wins and have the number one pick. Now there's been a few teams that have traded up to one. That's different. I'm talking about, ending the season with seven wins and the number one pick in your pocket before we even, there's no trading up. You're keeping your assets, the assets already with you. And so that's unprecedented where we are right now uh, for this franchise. And they are on a trajectory up. Uh, they obviously have this big decision looming and it is unfortunate that we've kind of gotten to a point where lines are drawn in the sand and it's, yeah. you know, me and you, we've had fun with it, the flip flopping yeah. and all that oh, yeah. stuff. But yeah. I think fans have gone a little, I think we're starting, it, it has gone a little too far at times, but yeah. at the end of the day, fan is short for fanatic. And, so and the la- you're going to have last a little thing I'll hit you before we get out of here is, yes, is the fact that literally we've seen quarterbacks that are arguably the greatest of all time. Look, not great in, in situations, right? We've seen Tom Brady twice, 07 and 11 look like a very average to below average quarterback both times against the giants, right? We've seen Aaron Rodgers, who I think when it comes to, Greatest of all time, talent-wise, the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes might be throwing him on that. But I think Aaron Rodgers at times has looked very average. And, and that's what a good game plan and scheme can do against great quarterbacks. So people people just look through the lens of Lamar didn't play well and this running uh, quarterback style doesn't work. But you, gotta, you just got to have all the factors, right? Kansas City had a great game plan. They played well, right? Baltimore did not. So obviously Lamar did not play well, but there's a lot of factors that go into it. Just like Tom Brady when he didn't, just like Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't make them not great. It's no, just of that course day not. they didn't have it. 
But no. I, I just I just think a lot of people get very critical about well, one game or situation yeah. where sometimes it's over just that quarterback. Yeah, and and I, that's what what we're doing. Like everybody, we've all combed over the obvious, you know, selling points of why they should do this or that. So now we've we've combed over all the obvious ones. Now we have to pick through the weeds and pull and reach <laughs> for these grasping at straw, you know, theorems to prove to try to get someone to come to across the picket line and, and join our side of the debate, whichever side yeah. you you sit on. And and that's where I think the conversation has started to get a little nauseating. And that's why I'm just leaning into having fun with it and oh, yeah. poking the bear. People, you know, get upset, oh, yeah. but at the end of the day, you got to laugh at it, and that's what we do. Bears Twitter has been very funny. Uh, oh, <laughs> just, just the back and forth. Dude, at, at, the, so at, the, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I think the Bears are primed to be in a good position. Whatever direction they go, they're building the, the right pieces to the puzzle, right? They're, they're a couple positions away from being really dominant, whether they, whether they keep Justin or they go with Caleb. So I think yep. they're, they're, in a, they're in a great position. And they were playing playoff caliber football. So I think it's only going to elevate their game either way. Yeah. Uh, so I just want the record to show for everybody that I didn't bring up the quarterbacks tonight. That was Corey's fault. Uh, so I didn't, I will not be blamed. I had to, I had to because people, people, are, people, people are coming at you and, yeah. and you got to stand up. You got to stand, stand on it. And I appreciate that. We did have a couple more super chats come in late hands down. Once again, another super chat here tonight. He's brought in a few and we appreciate that. Um, oh, wow. 499 okay. says, Hey, Woot, I'm vouching for Braggs. I witnessed him working out live in our diehard overtime post game show in Discord. Fair fucking down. Love y'all. What, That's what, right. What was, what was he doing? What was he? What was, I was, I, I was up and down no, like this. Oh, I yeah, was doing, <laughs> I was doing some cardio on the elliptical while we were in diehard and I was answering some questions and I had just got done. Let me tell you what I, I I'll tell you exactly what my workout you were doing. Was. The thigh master. Remember no, Suzanne Summers? No, 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 no. no t- today was chest delts and core. And it was a high day because I do high low. And so I had chest press machine three times at 20 DB lateral raises, three of 12 reps, uh, bent over reverse flies, three of eight shoulder press, two of 10 rope push down three of 20 and weighted crunch two of 20. And then I did wow. an hour of cardio and then I did 20 minutes in the sauna. Okay. Wow. So I'm moving you, you, you I, by the, more. by the summer. Like you make fun of these pythons and and we've come up with this new name. Like the, you know, I was trying to say the new nickname of this show should be Spaghetti and Meatball because my daughter, you know, we came me and my five year old daughter Addison, who you can't you can't smack talk Addie. We came up with the nickname for you, Spaghetti Arm Wooten, you know, because you you know, I mean, your arms could be bigger, Woot. I know you flex on us, and and it's impressive, but you, you know, you I saw mean, the picture. Come on, man. I mean, we've seen yeah. the pythons. We've seen ain't, the ain't pythons. No, ain't no Photoshop. This is real life, okay? Over okay. here, rolling okay. on twenty threes or twenty fours, and I'm not talking about rims. <laughs> if you become <laughs> if you become a diehard, you can hang out with us on Diehard Overtimes after every show. One more. Um, uh, from butthead ten dollars super chat catching the end but here's a little something love you guys appreciate the little love here <laughs> love it, love it, bro. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so uh that'll wrap things up for tonight our by far and away our longest after dark we've ever done um that's right so spaghetti and meatball holding it down here for an hour and a half talking hall of fame hopes i'm really hoping Devin hester gets in we're gonna be at uh, the uh, super bowl 
media week down in Vegas, over in Vegas here next week. Super excited for it. Uh, so make sure you hit the like button on your way out. We'll be back. Uh, you know, I'll have to talk to Woot down the road next week. If we do after yep. dark, it'll probably be some point in the middle of the week while we're, you know, on Vegas. yeah, radio row in the media. So Both. we'll, we'll make things work. So um, Woot, appreciate all your time here tonight. Uh, once again, everybody hit the like button. If you haven't already subscribe on your way out and uh, we'll see you here next week. And always, always Peace. bear down. Y'all silly like the mayor.